Okay, so this is the feeding of the 5,000, which is the miracle that I'm going to be looking at um, today, which is John uh, 6, verses 1 to 15. Hope we see Jesus there, got a disciple. Okay, I'm particularly looking at verses 5 to 12, which I'll read now. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two fish, two small fish, but how far can they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Oh, just gonna stop sharing now. Good, okay, so um, I've really enjoyed looking at this. Actually, it's a real privilege to, to share the things I think God is saying uh, because he's really spoken to me through this passage. And the two particular things that I really felt him speaking to me about is the way that uh, Jesus cares and um, wants us to care. And then also Jesus' response when we're inconsistent in the way that we care. Um, now, I know that we all know that Jesus cares, but you know it's something we shouldn't ever really take for granted. In verse five, it says that Jesus saw a great crowd coming towards him. They had followed Jesus. And Jesus' response, well, it could have been irritation, couldn't it? It says in um, some of the other, um, Gospels. In fact, this, um, this miracle appears in all four Gospels. It says in one of the other Gospels, actually, that Jesus had tried to get up to the mountain uh, to get rest. And, you know, when he sees these crowds of people coming towards him, you know, he could have been irritated, couldn't he, that he didn't get that rest. He also spent a lot of time training his disciples, and you could have imagined him being a bit annoyed, you know, that his 10-point, I don't know, Google presentation was interrupted or whatever he did back in the day. Um, or, you know, when he saw the crowd coming, he could have gotten to sit down and he could have done some real spiritual sort of stuff like taught them loads about the kingdom of God or maybe healed them, you know, some kind of more spiritual things. But no, when he saw that crowd coming, the first thing he said was, what are they going to eat? He was concerned with their basic kind of mundane needs. And, you know, you think, yeah, OK, yeah, that's quite important. But actually, back in the day, you know, poverty was rife. There weren't the shops available like they are now or, or the markets, you know, you know, where they would have been available. They must have been quite used to going without dinner or without lunch. So, you know, Jesus considering feeding them a meal was not something to be taken for granted. You know, here's the king of the whole universe being bothered about whether these guys have had dinner or not. And, 
you know, I just think it's just really encouraging that Jesus is interested in the minutiae, the small bits of our lives, you know, he wants to provide things that just seem really unimportant, but they're not, they're not to Jesus. And not only does he, did he provide, he does provide. And of course, we can tell later on by the fact that there's 12 baskets of food left over, that he always provides really amply, doesn't he? And the other thing that I thought was really interesting about caring is the fact that the, G, that the disciples need to learn, needed to learn to care. Um, actually, other um, uh, examples of this um, miracle in the other Gospels have the disciples actually saying to Jesus, can you just send them away so they can go and get their own lunch? In Matthew 15, 23, there's the episode where the Canaanite woman whose daughter has uh, is demon possessed and she's constantly calling out to Jesus. And the disciples say to Jesus, can you just send her away? I mean, she must have been quite annoying calling out all the time. And, uh, you know, they didn't want her there. They didn't want her bothering them. And even actually in Matthew 19, 13, the disciples are getting fed up with children. You know, there's the children around Jesus and, and they're saying to Jesus, can you send them away? And I find their lack of compassion at times and maybe their weariness in caring for people really encouraging because it's human, isn't it? Uh, you know, we have human examples in the Bible and they are such an encouragement to us. God didn't choose perfect people. He chose people just like us. And not only did they have to grow in their caring, um, also they obviously needed to do it in Jesus's strength. They were never going to be able to feed 5,000, actually it's more than 5,000, wasn't it? It was 5,000 men plus children and maybe some women, not many, but still there was at least 5,000. There was no way, humanly speaking, they were going to be able to provide. And Jesus could have done it just by himself, couldn't he? He's God. He could have rained food down from heaven and he could have not had to bother with some of the silly comments from the disciples about how they thought it was going to get sorted. He didn't have to include them. And I just think it's lovely the way, you know, we see Jesus's patience with the disciples and his love that he wants to include them. And he wants to include them because he was about making disciples, about training the disciples to do what he was doing. And then it says in the Bible, actually, to do even greater things than he was doing. Um, and actually, there's the example of Philip and Andrew, which I want to go on to in a minute, of, of how he dealt with um, with the disciples who weren't quite there yet. And I think as well, what's really encouraging is <clears throat> how practical Jesus's care was. And he wants us to be likewise. Now we give to the church and that's important and it's biblical, but over and above that, we need to look to the, to the needs of others. And the way we do that, we, we are able to meet the needs of others because we can see the needs of others. So to be able to see the needs of others, we need to be with them, don't we? The disciples were with that crowd. We are with our community, whether they are in the church or they're not in the church. And it's good to be with people, not just the people we know, not just the people we feel comfortable with. It's good if we can make decisions to get to know <clears throat> people we don't know at the moment. Reaching out to new people. But the most important thing in all of this is that we talk to God and we're guided by him. Now, if we try to do what we think is a good idea or try to do something in our own strength, then we're going to burn ourselves out. Um, and that's going to mean that, 
either we do it badly or with bad grace or we get resentful you know to the person we're trying to help or other people we think should be helping or God for putting us in that situation so that's really important and another fun thing I think is that in Matthew 6 3 it says don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing and that's because if we can give uh, in such a way that people don't thank us then those people give glory to God and not to us and, and that isn't always possible. Sometimes we need to find out, we need to get details from people. But if you can do it without them knowing, then that's um, really exciting. So moving on then to look at Philip and Andrew. Um, John is the only account where we actually get to see how the disciples responded. The other gospels are kind of more general in, in the way that the miracle went. And with Philip, we can see his response in John uh, chapter six and verses five to seven. Jesus asks Philip, where should we buy bread for these people to eat? Now, Jesus doesn't ask Philip because he doesn't know. He doesn't like look at all this crowd and think, oh, no, what are we going to do? No, he's God. He, he knows exactly what he's going to do. And the Bible says, actually, that Jesus wanted to test Philip. And maybe that was because Jesus wanted to know what was in Philip's heart. Uh, maybe he wanted to see whether Philip actually knew who Jesus was. Um, but whatever it was, whatever the test was, it wasn't like a harsh test where you can fail. Um, or if you fail, then, you know, I don't know, some terrible punishment like Jesus ignoring him for the day or Philip getting the sack as a disciple. No, because we know that because Philip actually did sort of fail the test. Philip's response about, you know, how we're going to feed these people was that he did a bit of a mental calculation and he worked out that it was going to cost more than half a day's uh, half a year's wages which of course was ridiculous none of them could afford half a year's wages to provide you know dinner for you know one meal and I thought it's interesting because I think Philip um you know looked at the problem didn't he and he was overwhelmed with these five thousand people and what on earth was going to happen what's interesting is commentators think that it's really likely highly likely that Philip was one of the disciples who was there when Jesus turned the water into wine and you think oh, I don't know you know you were there at that wedding you saw Jesus turning that water into the best wine possible why on earth did he not remember that when he saw you know drink versus food very similar why didn't he think you know oh hang on a minute Jesus and I, I just think that was just so encouraging to me. And when, not just when we're talking about caring, when we're talking about problems, we can look at the problem and let it overwhelm us and then completely forget what Jesus has already done in our lives. You know, we forget that if Jesus was the solution and had the power then, then he's the solution and has the power now. But we forget it, don't we? We get overwhelmed with the problem. And Philip wasn't really like a bad disciple. He wasn't weak. He wasn't without insight. At the beginning of John, chapter 1, verses 44 and 45, after Philip um, was called by Jesus to follow him, Philip went to find Nathanael and said, we found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. So he was obviously convinced himself and he was so persuasive in what he thought uh, and what he knew Jesus to be uh, that actually he influenced Nathaniel. And Nathaniel goes to meet Jesus and also decides to follow him. So Philip 
you know, believed Jesus to be the chosen one uh, and he'd follow, decided to follow him. And we don't know at what cost. You know, there's always a cost of following Jesus, isn't there? And, you know, it could have been his family didn't approve. It could have been he had to leave his job. His friends may have ridiculed him. We don't know. But, you know, there would have been a cost uh, which he paid and he loved Jesus and chose to follow him. And that's really encouraging because you think, yeah, he did have an insight into Jesus, but nevertheless, he was inconstant and sometimes he was weak and he looked at the problem and not Jesus. And so do we sometimes. With Andrew, if you look at John uh, chapter six, verses eight and nine, uh, Andrew gives the kind of thought of, you know, well, hang on a minute, we've got here two fish and five barley fish barley loaves and you could just imagine him almost, almost being a bit sarcastic you know you see five thousand people and you say well we've got two fish and five loaves that's a start and I think actually well obviously he didn't really think that was a solution did he he probably thought it was ridiculous um you know and maybe he just thought they should go and feed themselves maybe he didn't care or maybe he thought it was impossible we don't know but he certainly had a human response and yet he must have seen quite a lot of miracles at that point. You know, he'd been with Jesus a while. He knew Jesus cared. Why did he not think about Jesus being the divine solution? You know, the same man he was with is the same man who met all of those needs. You know, and he, he wasn't also a rubbish disciple either. In John 1, 35, Andrew had actually initially been a disciple of John the Baptist. And when Jesus passed by John and his disciples, whom Andrew was with at the time. Uh, John referred to Jesus as he was passing by as the Lamb of God. And then Andrew must have been intrigued because he went after Jesus and he spent the whole of the following day with Jesus. Um, and in John 1, 40 to 42, the Bible says, the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we've found the Messiah, that is Christ. And then Simon also follows, that's Simon Peter, who obviously is like a massive figure in the Bible. So like Philip, you know, here's a man in Andrew who loved Jesus and was decisive in following him and influenced others to do so. But maybe, you know, he, he was this influential person, but sometimes he didn't care. Sometimes he must have got fed up. Sometimes if there was a big problem, he lost sight of Jesus and tried to find a human solution. And I, I, I hope for you it's encouraging, it certainly was for me, you know, that neither Philip nor Andrew were disqualified because of their lack of care sometimes. Jesus still loved them and wanted them right by his side. He still included them in his mission, even though they didn't respond the way he perhaps would have liked at that point. You know, when we are weak, there's no punishment. You know, when we get stuff wrong, there's no Jesus refusing to be our friend anymore, refusing to love us. We're, we're still there right by him, by his side. We're still included. You know, we're still loved. We're, we're still used by him. Um, and it just isn't that amazing to be included in his wonderful mission and have that grace, you know, which is undeserved favour of just having his face always towards us. So then Jesus carried out the miracle. Um, I don't want to say helped by the disciples because Jesus did it. I guess the disciples sort of administered his miracle. And I think interesting to note, they just did exactly what he told them to do. You know, he told them to sit the crowd into groups, which they did. 
maybe they said to the crowd at the time, don't worry, Jesus is going to provide. And Jesus provided the miracle. And the disciples got to see God's bountiful provision. You know, there's 12 baskets left over. God's provision is always bountiful, always exceeds our demands. You know, and our care may be for praying for people uh, and, and, and God doing the miraculous, or sometimes it's being used by God as the solution. And, you know, whatever it is, it's just really exciting when God uses us, doesn't it, to meet the needs of others. And it always works out better than we could have imagined. So to summarise then, uh, I just would love us to take away this morning, you know, that God cares intimately about our day-to-day -day life and our practical needs. And he meets those needs with provision that is always more than we need. And he wants us to care, but most especially in his strength. And we're not to get downhearted if we think we've mucked it up, because that never disqualifies us, never means that God is cross with us. It just means that we continue to work with God and he continues to love us. Okay, thanks, Phil.